0: Welcome back to another episode of Too legit My name is Anna, a.k.a. Anna Mission.
1: And I'm Kelsey Jandog. I go by KJ, a.k.a. Cage the Doer.
0: Yes, this is a podcast for non-traditional law students with non-traditional backgrounds. Our goal of this platform is to encourage and to give those who are thinking about law school or who, those who are already in law school, some tips and tricks on how to navigate the legal profession in a strategic way. If you've listened to our last few podcast episodes, you know that I was a former registered nurse.
1: And I'm a former flight attendant and still currently a serial entrepreneur. So today we have a very special topic with a very special guest. So, you know, coming into law school, everybody has different goals, different objectives, different experiences. Some people... Do not seek to take the bar. Some people do take the bar and don't pass. Whatever your circumstances, there are alternative routes to obtaining the goal that you want to attain with your JD. Um, yeah. today we have a very special guest. He was my colleague at ASU Law. I was doing my MLS program while he was doing his LLM. He's still one of my really, really good friends, one of my confidants and one of my mentors, really. And I am so happy to hear have him here with us today. His name is Gareth Fuacciano. Thank you so much for being here today, Gareth.
2: Happy to be here.
1: Thank you. Hey, Gareth.
0: So um for those of us who aren't don't have the privilege of being mentored by you, Gareth, um, can you tell us where you're from originally and what you did before law school?
2: Yeah, of course. So before law school, or sorry, I'm uh, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. It's the uh, Southwest uh, U.S. Um, before law school, I worked a couple of um, legal internships. But my big claim to fame was I played uh, college football. So that was my main job slash focus. Wow. Prior to, mm-hmm. to law school.
0: What position did you play?
2: Pulling guard and fullback try it out for tight end, but apparently you need to be able to catch for that position.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So, wow. um, you know, what made you want to go law school? What, what was that connect between football and law? Or was there any, just something that else that you wanted to do?
2: Well, the joke I always tell everyone is I had to find a real job after football, but <laughs> I, would, I would have to say one of my biggest influences was probably my mother. My mother's an immigrant from the UK, and she graduated here at a young age and then um, put herself through her undergrad, graduated early, and then put herself through uh, law school at USC.
0: Oh, nice.
2: Yeah.
0: Woo. She went playing and around.
2: She's a very bright woman. and she uh,
0: That's amazing. Yeah, she definitely was mm-hmm.
2: a big influence when I was – deciding to further my education. So I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I had seen what attorneys do and what they um, are capable of. So that was definitely something that I uh, took into account.
0: So that's interesting. So can you tell us what was your like path or your career to law and right now, what do you do? So my
2: 3L year was more of a 3L semester. I actually graduated law school in two and a half years. Um, wow. But, yeah, I, you weren't was, either um, <laughs> graduate law school early uh, I got I had a uh, I had a uh, internship with a transactional law firm for those of you who don't know it is more commonly referred to as a debt collecting firm they uh, go after small claims that's um, uh, credit cards student loans car loans business loans all sorts so uh, I was working as an intern there and then I but anyways, I was I was working there, and then I was also studying for the bar. And
0: oh, good. Um, my
2: my mm-hmm. kind of backup plan was to do an LL.M. at ASU if I didn't pass the bar the first time. So I went ahead and I submitted my application for that as well. Uh, studied for the bar, um, mm-hmm. and I came up just shy of the uh, what I needed for um, the state and for the. Uh, one of the, the lower scoring states, so it was it was enough to where I wasn't completely disheartened. It wasn't like oh you know I I, I can never do this. It was more of like, you know, like my heart wasn't in it. There was mm-hmm. something I, I know I studied really hard.
0: Uh. Well.
2: So I kind of you know was looking right. at other options at that moment, and I told the firm uh, that I was at you know that I didn't pass. That I was gonna my intentions were to study again and take the bar bargain. Um, well, being mm-hmm. the long, being the youngest yeah. um, intern there, they, I guess they had to size down. So I actually uh, got laid off and mm-hmm. my last day there was Halloween. So first thing I did was at the, at that moment I was, I had reached out to an old friend who is a lobbyist in DC. And I talked to him about what, I would need to do to become a lobbyist, and I actually got involved with the uh, a small division of the NRA. Mm-hmm. Got involved with the University of Arizona, um, just uh, different social issues that they had. I got to meet um, quite a few local congressmen and women. Um, I met one senator, which was interesting, and. It, it really opened my eyes because that was something where a law degree helps, but it isn't necessarily something that you need. And um, I started working for mm. this one lobbyist right. in Phoenix, um, and he was someone who went to law school and didn't take the bar. So that was kind of that was I, that was eye opening for me as well. And he just loves what he, he did. The state house and the state senate are in session for about three months, so he kind of joked that, or it was kind of a little, a little bit of a joke that you know, you know, once session was over in in March, then you could go ahead Mm -hmm. and take a nice little two-month, three-month break, and you know, then get back on the horse. And that that was one of those positions where you either make you either make a lot or you make nothing. And since I was just starting, I wasn't really making anything. I was more so volunteering. I was still applying for positions and at that moment I found out that there were a bunch of people who had got mm-hmm. positions as financial analysts within large banks. So after a little bit of time I actually got a position with American Express and I wor- worked with them. It was it was an it was an interesting position. I learned a lot about banking, a lot about finance. When right. I was there.
1: At this point were you still like was the bar on your mind or like what mental state were you in like were you looking for something that didn't require the bar did you still want to take the bar like i mean i know you i feel like you're um your yeah picking yourself up came a lot easier to you than i think yeah, most people
2: <laughs> it was it was pretty hard not gonna lie i uh i oh up- okay
1: well, you you made it seem like it was so easy. Like you knew that it was like you didn't maybe give it your all. So it sounded like the pickup was a lot easier. But if if not, I mean, I think that's something maybe you could elaborate on because, you know, uh, a lot of what we like to talk about is that mental process and how you worked through that to maybe help other people, you know, work through that and um, be as successful as you are, and, uh, regardless of having passed yeah, of the law. You know,
2: so um, I took the bar twice and I took them. I took it both times while I was working at that transactional law firm. Um, first time mm-hmm. I took it before I was working there. And then the second time I took, <laughs> I took it while I was working, while I was doing school part time and studying. So, I mean, the second time I took it, I, 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 it was gonna be a miracle if I passed. And the second time when I um, came up short again, that was when I was like, I either need to dive full in or I need to 100% look at other options. Right. And at, at the time, right. um, my girlfriend at the time and my mother called me up and sat me down and said, what would you have done if you passed the bar? And I kind of begrudgingly said, oh, I don't know, maybe work at that firm. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't enjoying myself mm-hmm. at the transactional law firm. Um, needless to say, mm-hmm. it, I felt like I was taking money from people who had zero money. It wasn't fulfilling. Felt kind of grimy sometimes. And uh, the attorneys weren't paid the best there, so that of course wasn't an incentive. Incentive. But um, you know, I when I went to law school, I had this mindset of being like the Lincoln lawyer, you know, Matthew McConaughey. And after a while, I started to realize that that might not be what I want to do. I I interned with a criminal defense firm um, during law school. And while I was there, I worked specifically with people who were accused of sexual assault. And that got really tiring really fast. I had to hear so many stories that just really made me, you know, my skin crawl. So that was... That and mm-hmm. then also working at the transactional law firm kind of, I guess, you know, quote unquote, put the nail in the coffin on you know whether I wanted to be my own, or whether I wanted to be a a regular attorney, and I was having a hard time um, trying to figure out other options. Another thing I didn't really realize was a lot of these law firms mm. they're uh, they're run by the attorney, and it may be a great attorney, but it may be a really poor businessman or woman. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: right. school uh, doesn't teach uh, you do that.
2: No, so, I mean, I, I worked with, no, yeah, I worked with a couple of these firms and it was just like, I mean, the, they're on paper, their record was amazing, but all the employees were, you know, there was stuff missing. There was, um, you know, no 401k medical benefits sucked or there was just, um, some sort of shortfall with the, uh, with the employees. Um, so mm-hmm. that's one thing I, I, I was going to say, like, you know, anyone who wants to start their own firm, I think they need to either A, be a decent business person, B, realize that, you know, that's kind of hard to do, be a 50% lawyer, mm-hmm. 50% uh, business owner, or, you know, C. If
1: you're, if you're lucky to get that 50-50. Yeah, and then
2: C, and yeah. then C <laughs> maybe they just hire, yeah. maybe they just hire someone to run the business. So that way, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, you can just sit there and deal with your cases, and have some have a have a mm-hmm. uh, an office manager that deals with everything else because you can't really do both.
0: I think that's a um, a good segue into our issue for today, um, Gareth. I don't know if you know this, but we like to Iraq all our episodes, and today's no different. And the issue for today is basically um, how to navigate post grad alternate routes, uh, regardless of whether or not you take the bar. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but can you speak a little bit more towards your um, like your process and how did how did you feel, or do you, are you still in the process of feeling like okay, I made the right decision to not continue to take the bar again?
2: I I currently do feel like I'm in the best position. Oh, good. Um, so my, back, my background, again, my mother, my mother was an attorney. My father, he, mm-hmm. he's kind of retired. He's an engineer. And when I was at mm-hmm. American Express was when a friend of mine reached out to me, and she was working at Honeywell. It's a big engineering company. So you know, my, my friend asked me if I wanted to work at Honeywell, and I was like, well, what do you do over there? You know, it's a bunch of engineers. She was like, no, there's a legal department. Everyone says that you end up picking a career that your parents picked. Well, this one kind of looked like both of them mixed into one in my eyes.
1: That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Legal and engineering. I
2: actually wanted to be an engineer when I was younger, but because of uh, college football, you know, and the, there were night practices and all the engineering classes were in the afternoons. So I, they politely told me to pick a different career choice. I I really enjoy, Honeywell definitely opened up my eyes to uh, what positions are out there that are kind of legal kind of Mm -hmm. business because when I was there they asked me what path I would like to take, whether I would like to go on the general counsel route or whether I would like to go on a director Mm -hmm. route and I didn't take any moment to think it over and I just instantly said I would choose a director route you know something uh, director Mm -hmm. force Um, people underneath me, you know, business, but also, you know, the legal Mm -hmm. sense would help me out. So that was definitely something that um, really appealed to me. Plus there's, there's a longer ladder that you can climb too. When you're, when you're a GC, it's assistant. When, as a GC, there's assistant GC, and then there's the general counsel, Um, you know, the director out there's, you know, managers, vice managers, directors, VPs, presidents. to the Uh headboard. So it's just it's a longer ladder you can climb. There's more there's more bonuses, more incentives generally for these these large engineering companies. Um and when I say engineering companies, I'm not just talking like aerospace companies. So like in my case, Honeywell, we worked a lot with Boeing, we worked a lot with uh Grumman. But for instance, um companies like Caterpillar or um, uh, Cummings or uh they their construction companies. Those companies have um have the same positions over there. Uh, I also got recruited for a position mm-hmm. with um Halliburton, the uh the oil company out in Texas. They have yeah oh nice they have positions like that as well. So yeah. It was um
1: well there you go. Lots of options. I, I remember when you were going through that process and you had you were you were uh, worried about, I guess, having too many options. I guess at one point, you know. Yeah. So, I I thought that was just a like a great dilemma to kind yeah. of be in. So, I mean, why don't why don't we head with the Iraq? So that like you can tell people like the process of like how you got to be in such a good position even after not passing the bar and you know turning the game around.
0: Okay, so uh, rule number one is what makes you different? Um, re- reassess what you're good at. Number two is be open to the idea of going outside your comfort zone. And number three, understand that things transpire as they must. And JD gives you the leverage and credibility to move laterally in order to move vertically. So I think um, Garrett pretty much uh, gave us little Preview of everything, but mm-hmm. let's uh, dive into this analysis. Like, when, what did you what did you think about that made you different? Obviously, you played football, but anything else that helped you to uh, make this transition from not taking the bar, Garrett?
2: Definitely my resilience. Um, so I nice. you know football. I,
0: Very
1: important.
2: Football. We always said it's not how hard you can hit; it's how hard you can get hit and you can get back up. Right. So mm-hmm. just a little. Mm-hmm. overview of the last four years of my life um i've taken the bar twice i've came up short twice i also have been laid off twice uh once during this pandemic wow. um, so part of it is wow. you know when you reach when you reach a really uh low point um you you mm-hmm. you need to you need to think different you need to kind of say all right you know what can i do to to Get out of this, and uh, for instance, right. uh, KJ knows this when I got laid off the second time. Um, within a week, I turned around and I filed my own LLC because I couldn't find any jobs. Mm-hmm. So, my thought was, if I can't find jobs, I'll just create my own. Um,
1: love it! There you go, 100%. Yes.
2: So, I mean, I, I tried yeah. my best to take that in my own hands. Um, mm hmm. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I think that goes along the line with like the reassessing what you're good at and what you'd like to do, because you do have a background in business and we took entrepreneurship law classes together. So I think it was awesome that you decided to do that, you know?
2: Yeah. And that it, absolutely it was it was kind of like, you know, once I got laid off, I finally had the time to book, time to go ahead and file. But also I kind of needed to do it because I needed to find a job. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, also just more so myself. Um, you know, even when I, I, I think at one point at work, I had like a, I had a bunch of time off that was a and I took like a week and a half off. And that's when I realized that mm-hmm. I really, I really hate not working. I like having something to do. So, you know, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person okay. I, I work, I work four days out of the week right now and I try to find something to occupy my, my three free days. You know, I, I don't like mm-hmm. having, I don't like having nothing to do. Yeah. So that's, that's right. definitely one aspect about me that, uh, um, really stuck out when I was, uh, another thing, when I was unemployed, you know, people that are looking for these jobs, it's not like I sat there and I applied to three positions. Um, you know, I, it was every day, Every day I applied for two dream positions and I applied for six or so positions that I thought I could really get. And I did that every single day for months. And that's how I managed Mm -hmm. to get these positions. And it was a little disheartening sometimes because I would go a month and I wouldn't hear anything. And then within like, within a week, I would get um, three interviews and then I wouldn't hear anything for two weeks. Wow. And then within another, right. and then all of a sudden in like three days, I had, you know, two or three job offers. So Let's it does, see. it does pay off, but it.
1: Totally. And you know what? I think this is, yeah, it's really good for people to hear this right now because a lot of people, uh, a lot of 1Ls, a lot of 2Ls, in Even a lot of 3Ls and postgrads are all kind of freaking out about, you know, jobs and internships. And with the impact of COVID, it just makes things that much harder and uh, requires that much more patience and resilience and consistency to be persistent. So I think those are very great skills to have and that everybody, if you if you don't have them at the moment, you know, it's, it's good to work on them for life in general, because you basically just showed us that that was your ticket to getting to where you are is your whole mentality and your willingness to keep pursuing what your goals are. So yeah, I
2: was going to say, uh, I was told a while ago by one of my mentors that insanity was doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You know, whenever something doesn't work, you can't sit there and say, oh, wow, yeah. you know, I'm a loser and, you know, I I, I don't got this. You got to sit there and say, well, that didn't work. What can I change up?
0: Exactly. Exactly. That kind mm-hmm. of ties into our next rule, which is um, be don't being afraid to go outside your comfort zone. Did you feel yes. like there was something that, like. I mean, obviously, you had to go out your comfort zone with this uh, Honeywell position. But were there other areas where, you, other places that you applied that you didn't think that you would apply, or were you just kind of like, let me just go with my strengths?
2: I agree. Or
0: lead with my strengths.
2: Um, networking was a huge, um, was just, was a huge aspect of this. My position at Honeywell was obtained through networking. It was a former, um, it was a former uh, mm-hmm. of mine in law school who actually referred me the position. Um, And then obviously before it was, I took four interviews for that position. Um, Again, after Honeywell, when I was applying for additional positions, each of those companies, I had to study each one of the companies in order to uh, prepare myself Mm -hmm. for the interview. Like for instance, my, so my LinkedIn, I have the limit is like what, 500? And then it just says 500 plus. So I have over 500 connections on LinkedIn. Um, I, I go, I use, I use it, I use it all the time. Um, you know, nice. if, if I see someone is posting that they need a, uh, a paralegal or a secretary or whatever, or, you know, I go ahead and I shoot that out to everyone in my connections and I'll use that to go ahead and refer them. Or if like the day, day, day two of when I got laid off, I, I sat there and drafted a post saying I had been laid off due to COVID-19 and that if there were any openings, literally any openings, please reach out to me. Mm -hmm. I received like five within like two days. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I applied to these companies, what I would do is I I would check out my LinkedIn and I would see who do I know or who might I know who's already there. So then I can reach out to them and I can get that, you know, first point referral to kind of help, you know, ensure that I get Mm -hmm. at least through the door because half half the battle is getting, if you get, if you get through the door, you're at least qualified, you know, at that point they're just figuring out whether or not they like you.
0: All right. And I think that's a good uh, segue into our uh, last rule, which is um, understand that things transpire as they must. And, that a JD gives you the leverage and credibility. Did you find that this, um, that this new path that you'd chosen opened your eyes to more possibilities that you already knew or I mean, that you didn't know that were out there, or did you kind of already know that, you know, this was an option?
2: I did not know this was an option. Um, I had to learn everything trial, trial by fire. Hmm. Um, every, every time.
0: Yeah. Why do you think, why do you think schools don't, Why do you think schools don't um, offer those opportunities or do you feel like your school offered those, didn't offer those opportunities? I don't feel like
2: my school did. Um, I had to find it myself. I didn't, I didn't know about a lot of this. Um, (laughs) Lobbying. I learned about that through a movie. Thank you for smoking. If you've ever seen that movie. Yeah. It's a a really great movie. Um, Yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand lobbies, lobby, lobbyers until I watched that. And then um, uh, whether or not you like him, Whether, whether or not you like him, the movie Vice about Dick Cheney talks about all these politicians, all these lobbyists, all these, you know, gray area individuals who, uh, you know, have legal backgrounds Mm -hmm. or some have, you know, uh, political science backgrounds and that's how they get into that. And when I was working with these politicians, you know, some of them, some of them had legal backgrounds, some of them didn't, Mm.
0: um,
2: I found that the ones with the legal backgrounds were a little bit mm-hmm. more uh, reasonable, open-minded, perhaps definitely more tactical. I found that the ones yeah. with the legal backgrounds definitely were more successful in their ventures. Mm. Um, so that was interesting. And then, and then again, a lot of, uh, I, I, in in my field, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who have this are in the same position as me it's kind of legal kind of business, you know, so I can, um, so you can sit there and you can deal with a legal issue, but you also know how to convey that to the business aspect of the company and you know how you can can sit there and work through an issue. And instead of just like a general business salesperson is going to look at, you know, profit and loss. The uh, the person with the legal background is going to sit there and look at the bigger picture, say, yeah, this might be profit, but is it going to cause an issue in the future? Or yeah, maybe this will be a bit of a loss right now, but we can leverage this in the future. So I mean, that's it's definitely that's opened up my mind for a lot,
1: right? Because you can provide value in multiple ways. You know, and I, and I think that's the thing with a lot of non-traditional students, such as myself, like as much as I do want to be an attorney and utilize this JD to pursue that, there is a lot of me who does want to utilize the JD more so to move laterally than vertically in the business world. So that, that way, you know, I can utilize my skills from before ultimately pursue what it is that I want mm-hmm. and still be able to utilize the JD, but in a very different way. And so that's why it is very clutch to have someone on the episode like you today to show people that something like that really is possible.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: someone like me who does want to do something like that. So,
0: yeah, I'm truly, truly honest to do. I, I think it's, I think it's very valuable to have this perspective Um Like you said, Gareth, you know, most law schools don't want to highlight Uh not taking the bar because, you know, there's certain metrics that they use for rankings and for funding and that's all well and dandy. But, you know, for people who like yourselves, like think outside the box and have other skill sets, I think it's valuable to also highlight, you know, other opportunities as well. So we really appreciate you for being on here and being candid and being, you know, clear about all the hurdles Mm because you know instagram and all social media is showing the Mm -hmm. highlight reels of people's lives and sometimes it's you know you don't see the actual work that people put in so i really appreciate you Mm -hmm. being candid and and honest and coming on here and giving us the logistics on today's episode yeah
2: (laughs) yeah and if, if anyone has any additional questions feel free to reach out to me on linkedin so feel free to yourself.
0: yeah yeah we're, we're gonna link that for sure. But before before you go, Garrett, you're not off the hook just yet, because um, you know we like to ask a couple of fun questions. And I think going in terms of the theme of COVID and being flexible, um, you know, it's important to treat yourself every now and then. So the question we have for you is: <laughs> What's your go to comfort food whenever you want to decompress?
2: Well, I'm Italian, so uh, I definitely, uh, I go and I get a New York pizza. Yeah, the, the kind that you hold up and the grease just drips off. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. And then uh, our last question is, um, you know, uh, staying on a point with COVID, uh, what's your COVID resolution? By that, I mean, what do you look forward to doing once COVID is a little bit more manageable? So
2: probably visiting family. Um, my family's spread out all over the place, so. I haven't seen some of them. I oh, yeah, haven't I seen some of them in months. So, um, wouldn't mind being able to travel and see family. Um, I mean, there are, there's also a couple of places I wouldn't mind visiting. Um, you know, now I have a little bit more flexibility. Um, it's funny I, I say that. You know, I have more flexibility than I did in law school. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind get, being able to travel a little bit more, um, go see some interesting places. Mm-hmm. Never been to, and I know KJ, KJ's been talking about Hawaii. Oh, you got to go for sure. Plan to go visit out there or something. Better.
0: Oh, yeah, you gonna visit me. Both of you. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> got my ticket on standby. <laughs> then we can go
1: eat and I'll show you my comfort food.
0: <laughs> All right, Garrett. Um, once again, thank you for uh, being our guest. And um, KJ, can you let the people know uh, where to find us?
1: yes so we're on instagram at two legit podcast that's the number two legit podcast and we are available for our episodes to be listened on spotify apple itunes and google podcasts so thank you so much gareth for being here thank you to legit grew for tuning in and we will see you next time thank you
0: all right y'all